Hey, it's another episode of The Enlightened Agent, and it's uh, Dean Gemmel with Jason Keck, the CEO of Broker Buddha. How are you doing, Jason? Good, Dean. Good to see you again. Good to be back on the show. Yeah, good to see you virtually once more. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we just finished up a great interview with uh, Greg Gamble, who's the vice president. Uh, well, I asked him during the interview, so people can listen to it in the interview. We'll hear what he actually does, but he's at Alliance, at Alliance and a uh, really good conversation. Yeah, Greg's great. Greg's one of the first people I met um, when I got involved uh, and, and launched Broker Buddha. Uh, almost four years ago now, and he was in a role that was specifically focused on, you know, streamlining operations with technology. And we've stayed close for the last few years. And uh, I was really happy to have him on the show and get get his whole story. Yeah, it seems like one of his roles throughout his career has been how to make agencies more efficient, right? I mean, in, in, in fact, he mentions one place where he had to, he was asked to shave 50 hours of time off of everybody's workload each year, I guess, something you know about. Yep. Yeah, I think he uh, he's the perfect guy for that role and uh, no doubt he crushed it. Yeah. So uh, with that, we'll get to uh, our conversation with Greg Gamble. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Enlightened Agent. I am Dean Gemmel, and I'm joined, as always, by Jason Keck, the CEO of Broker Buddha. Hi, Jason. What's up, Dean? Good to be back. Yeah, good to be back again. And today we have a great guest. We have Greg Gamble from the Alliant Insurance Services. He's the Vice President, Client Brokerage and Data Operations. So, Greg, my first question is explain what you do, because I don't know. <laughs> First of all, Dean and Jason, thanks very much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, yeah, let me tell you what that means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am responsible for uh, operations related to how we interact with our clients, how my brokers interact during their day-to-day -day jobs, and, and necessarily in 2021, that involves care and custody and organization and marshalling of data. Right. So okay. uh, basically, I'm focused on front of the house style operations, supporting customers and our brokers as they work together to get insurance solutions placed and serviced. Sounds like it's uh, kind of a relatively you, you kind of cobbled this together from from a lot of your experience, from what I know about you. Right. Kind of pulling together the, the relationship side, the understanding the data and systems. So it's a pretty cool role. That's good. Is that, uh, Thank you. Is, is how long has it been since the crystal Alliant merger? We like 18 months in now, how far? Now it's actually time flies, right? What? So crystal was acquired by Alliant in April or May of 2018. Right. So we're, yeah. So wow. we're rounding three years. Yeah. And for people <laughs> who may not know who is, uh, who is crystal? Well, Crystal and Company was a large, you know, reasonably yeah. large retail insurance broker uh, since 1933, owned by the Crystal family, and and they they joined forces with Alliant in, in 2018. Got it. Three years ago. Wow. Awesome. Um, good. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad. Uh, it sounds like you've you've sort of taken all the the things that you you know and love and sort of found the perfect role within the within the new org. I know mergers are always a kind of an operational um, slog, um, but it's good to see you've landed somewhere, uh, landed in, in a situation that fits you. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited for you. Yeah, so far so good. Thank you very much. 
Good. Um, I, 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 we do tend to sort of get into people's history a little bit. Um, and, and there's sort of the inevitable question about how you got into insurance and I wonder if you could share a little bit of that story with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very simply, uh, my father was in insurance and, and more good specifically, start. I'm sorry. It's a good start. Yeah. I mean, more specifically, my dad worked at crystal and company. He started there in about 1980 working for Jim crystal. And so that, you know, I'm very good friends with my dad and I had the opportunity to sort of watch his career in the beginning stages of it and, and to learn a lot about what the commercial insurance industry had to offer. And then out of college, I tried something else, but then after a couple of years, I, you know, through my dad, I got a bunch of interviews and I, I started in 1990 as an underwriter for AIG. Oh, nice. Wait, so you were at, you started at AIG, uh, but you got into the industry because you knew about insurance through your dad. Is that, is that the way? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. My father was essentially, he, he was, he's retired now. He was a salesman. Right. And he met Jim Crystal on wall street and they started talking and my dad started working for Jim, you know, in 1980 and he was selling essentially DNO and other similar products to financial institutions and, and other similar firms. And, and that's kind of, that's how I got into, in, into the business that I, that I got into at, at and elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I have to ask you about the two years before you got into insurance in case it was <laughs> acting or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it certainly wasn't acting. It wasn't okay. as a Domino's pizza delivery driver, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I, and I worked in the, the, the healthcare field in a sales role. And got it. I, I didn't like it. I was walking the halls of a hospital trying to, sell home yeah. related products. Not for then me. You, you realize you didn't like the sight of blood or the smell of hospitals. Yeah. You know, and my territory was the Bronx and that was hard. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's, uh, that's a, that's an adventure for you, man. Uh, I was up there getting my first, my first jab of the vaccine last week. So uh, not, not a frequent cool. stop for me, but excited, excited to get, get on the train and get this thing, uh, get this whole thing headed in the right direction. So let's, um, let's go ahead, Jason. After you. All right. So what, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen. You've had a, you know, a long career in insurance and your father was in it. So um, I'm sure there's a litany of things here, but what have you, what have some of the significant changes uh, that have happened that you've seen and, and what do you think still needs to change? Well, look, there's been a lot of changes, you know, on the insurance product side, you know, since I've been in the business, new insurance products like employment practices, liability were invented. Now everybody takes that for granted. Uh, cyber insurance started in, you know, I would say 98, you know, and I, so I was involved in that and I kind of saw that sort of take off and now it's massively important and on everybody's minds every day. Yep. So from, you know, I've been through a couple of different market cycles, right? Mostly soft markets, right? The whole 1990 was a, a you know, a declining market cycle. And as I was an underwriter, I was battling that, you know, pricing constantly, getting cut razor thin. Uh, and then as a broker, there was a, you know, when I became a broker, it was a brief hard market after 9-11. Um, you know, and then, you know, so I've seen different market cycles. Um, right. But I think for my personal career, as I transitioned from <clears throat> underwriter to insurance broker, this is going to sound kind of funny, but 
And I'm also old, right? I'm 55 Not that years old. old right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right down the middle. This is perfect. So what, what I'm, what I'm going to say is that, you know, I remember when we really weren't using email that frequently, right? We were using uh, fax. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And Love fax. mail, right? Physical mail and right. overnighting things to each other. Careers, and, good business. And, and, and paper files, right? Yeah. Um, so I would say that one of the biggest changes that I think a lot of people take for granted is, you know, the migration to, to email, right? And away from those other forms of sharing information. And then uh, paper, paperless files, right? I mean, that was a constant struggle, maintaining a file uh, in a physical <laughs> format, right? Where is it? Did you put it away? Do you have it? Poking holes and things, you know? Uh, and, and I think at this point, low these years later, I think it's something that a lot of people have just sort of forgotten about or they're too young to even know. So th those were those are a couple of big changes that, that wow. uh, I think feed into a lot of what we're what I'm trying to do these days. You, you've had a, you mentioned a couple of different roles. So you've done underwriting at AIG, right? You were in you were a, a producer or sales at, at at Crystal when you were in that role, and now you're in this sort of front office operations uh, operations role. Is there a is there an event from your career that that sticks out in your mind that kind of either propelled you forward or, or, you know, uh, took you on a, on a, on a journey that you kind of never look back from Is there anything like that you could share with us. I mean, I, I sort of, by the way, I, I was under it for 10 years at AIG and then Reliance national, which is now defunct and it became Hartford. And I think I got about two Hartford paychecks and then I went to crystal. Right. Okay. So that's the brief uh, timeline there. But in terms of an event, I mean, you know, or a manager or a person, you know, just, yeah, you know, I, I think the big, I gotta tell you that I think the biggest event for me was switching from underwriter to broker, right? Those are, that was a huge change, sea change for me, right? Because I was an underwriter. I was a, what they call a miscellaneous professional liability underwriter, which meant that if it wasn't a doctor, a lawyer, an architect, an engineer, or an accountant, it kind of funneled into this all other category called miscellaneous professional liability, right? Okay. So, and I loved doing that because I am super curious about all things, right? And so I was acquiring information and learning about title agents and advertisers and publishers and property managers and real estate agents and brokers and escrow agents and consultants and technology companies. And then I took on the cyber set of, you know, the emerging cyber exposure set. And I learned about that. And so I was really into being an underwriter and I, I liked it. I, mean, I liked learning about it to me, which maybe didn't make me the best underwriter, right? Like just understanding it was a reason to issue a policy to insure it. Right. And I think there are some people <laughs> in my career a long time ago that would say, yeah, Greg, you're doing better as a broker. Right. Um, but anyway, that's, I'm sure you, I'm sure you did well in both, but, uh, I don't know that I lit the book up that badly, but I, you know, <laughs> it could have gone bad. Anyway. Um, what was the, so what was the, the, the transition yeah. the transition from broker from underwriter to broker was, was massive to me. I mean, it, 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 it they're very different, uh, endeavors, right. An, an underwriter is taking care of themselves, right. They're making, they want to, collect more premium than they pay out on claims and, and everything they do, their whole bearing, you know, they, they take risk, but they're risk averse, right? It's a very interesting thing. Whereas I was like, kind of not as risk averse as maybe others, right? Mm. Um, as a broker, you're representing very much 
the, the client who needs the insurance and needs the policy to pay the claim. And you can't say no to that client, right? So um, underwriters can say no all the time. Right. You know, I mean, they, they do have to reach goals, you know, production goals. And toward that end, they, they, if they say too much, if, if they say no too often, they yep. won't write new business and they won't hit their goals. But for the most part, the, the change that I'm talking about is I went from an underwriter where I could say no when it suited me yep. to a broker where I wasn't allowed to deliver no back to my client, right? I have to find a way to get to a yes or at least present an option of yes right. in every instance. So that to me was the biggest change that I, that I had as a, you know, for, in my career. Yeah, that's a that's a big step, right? It's so interesting. We have, you know, we, we I work with some people who used to work on the carrier side or the underwriter side, and the perspective is very different, right? The te- the, the the it's funny because it's the same industry, the policies are the same, right? But the perspectives um, and what you care about um, is is very different, right? Whether you're on the agent side or on the carrier side, or frankly, a buyer at the client level. So that's well, for um, me, right? So it's, that's true. Um, a lot of what you say is true. So for me, right, early on as a broker, this was very difficult for me, right? Because I was still thinking a lot like an underwriter. <laughs> I was probably a little too yeah. empathetic, right? To like, underwriters? Toward the underwriter. Right. Like, yeah, I would never do that. So why would I ask you? <laughs> right? And I actually had some people call me out on that, right? Uh, uh, some clients? I, no, no, no. Uh, other underwriters with whom I used to work. Right. Like, Greg. Well, you, you taught me not to do this. So why are you asking me to do it now? Right. So I had to get past that. But then what happens is as you become, and this is true with any experienced broker, right? After a longer period of time than you would realize, I mean, for a broker to become a real true master of his or her craft, you need like five or six years of seeing the beginning, the middle and the end, and to be able to see, to anticipate what's happening where as the broker now, and this is what underwriters don't really like to hear, but it's true. A good broker is fully in command of the entire thing, right? So even in a hard market, when it seems like the underwriters are driving the change and driving the decisions, as long as I've managed my clients' expectations the right way, yeah. the broker's in charge. Sure. Like yeah. always, right? Regardless of the market cycle. I mean, right now, I'm not a broker now in this current market, but I hear it's pretty bad. I never went through this type of a market, frankly. Um, I always had options, right? Yep. And, and, and that's what I now. managed on behalf of my clients. So you know, those are the big changes. You know, like who's, you know, the, the process, the perspective, underwriter versus, versus broker, and then who's in charge, right? And then like, you know, and, and like, you know, look, a lot of underwriters, you know, in, in normal market times, don't really realize that a good experienced broker is actually in charge. They actually know what's going to happen in most cases. Do you, do you think you're better suited on the agent side? I mean, I, I think Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I could never go back. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this podcast is like, I remember Greg in 1998. Yeah. Like they'd be, they'd be like, thank God. You know, <laughs> I, I was a good underwriter, but I, I'm, I'm, I, I like this side better. Yeah. I mean, your, your personality fits it really well. You've got a, a really strong organizational and personable approach to things. I think that's, I think that's, well, I mean, I, I it wasn't always true. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Greg since... thinks there's somebody out there disagreeing right now. <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm sensing that. Self-awareness is a good thing to have, though. That's for sure. Yeah, I think most people in their careers, Greg, you know, when you find when you find the thing that fits you, right, then that's when your career really, really jumps, right? When When you find the thing that aligns with your personality, your interests, your, you know, it fits, fits who you are. Uh, you get, you get, you know, huge change, huge growth. And, and obviously you had a lot of success there. So, so I'm super excited for you. That's a good point, right? So I, another part of like the enlightened Greg, the enlightened agent, the enlightened insurance professional, whatever you want to call it, is that that's actually why I got into the business, right? Like I, there, there's something for everybody in the insurance business, right? Like if you're super analytical, as an underwriter, you can dig in on that and learn your craft there. That's but, a trillion you know, dollar industry. <laughs> look, underwriters, people have to like underwriters, right? The brokers have <laughs> options. There's, there's a lot of competition, right? So <laughs> there's a salesmanship component to being an underwriter as well, right? Yep. It's the same thing on the brokerage side, right? Like there's sales, is producing, there's, if an underwriter likes you best, they'll, you know, they'll help mm. you out more, right? If, yep. if you're burning bridges all over the street, and pissing people off and you're not going to get things done. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think there's, there's two or three different columns of uh, skill sets that you need on both sides of the equation. Right. Which I think was one of the reasons why I've enjoyed uh, being in this business. Good. Yep. Hey, um, you know, Greg, you're a, you're a New York guy, right? Is that that's correct? Yeah. yeah. So, so for people who aren't from New York, tell me a, Tell me a little bit about what New York business is like and why you like it. Oh boy. Um, it's a big one. There were, there were whole regions of the country where I just didn't do very well. Uh, <laughs> really? Start with that. Is that um, right? Number one. Number two, look, um, obviously, right. I mean, New Yorkers, there's an intensity that we bring to things, right. Um, there's a story again. I'm sure a lot of I hope a lot of people listen to this, but there was a brokerage firm, a, a wholesaler that started with people that I knew early on in my days at AIG, right? And they they went out to California and they started their own insurance brokerage operation. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and it was yeah, they they tell this story and it's okay. It, it it's it was at the time it was called ECM, right? And uh, nobody really knew what ECM stood for, and then we, we come to learn that I'm. I'm reasonably certain that this is what it was referred to as it was East coast mentality. Right. Uh-huh. So you had three, I heard that one. You had three principals <clears throat> yeah. who went out there to California and they started a wholesaler and they called it East coast mentality because they were up at five 30 in the morning. Right. Right. Ringing our phones back East and they knew how to trade with New York based underwriters. Right. Because they were from New York. So I think that um, people from New York, look, we're just direct, you know, and some, some call that aggressive. And I think we're, I think we're thinking two and three and four moves ahead. Um, That's a true New Yorker there saying that, but I'm always like, we're rushing, we're in a hurry. You know, I I think there's uh, things we can all learn from each other, but yeah, that's, I think that that East coast mentality is in New York style is something to something good in it. Listen, thank God I'm 55. I've tried to mellow a bit. You know, I tried to uh, laugh a little bit more myself, right? So, uh, Greg, you've, you've done a couple of different roles we talked about in the industry. What, what, what do you think needs to change in this space? I mean, you're doing this for a while now. What, what, what needs to happen? What's the next step? 
that the industry needs to take. And it could be anything, right? Whether it's on the product side or tech side or people side or talent side, what, what, there's, there's a lot of directions we could go. What, what are some things, one or two things you think, think needs to happen um, in this space? I mean, look, I, I, in 2017, Sandy Crystal kind of gave me a different opportunity at Crystal. And now I'm carrying through with that at Alliant to be more, like I said, like corporate client services and brokerage operations, right? That, that's kind of how it started at Crystal. Right. It's carrying through. And, you know, the reason, you know, when, when Sandy created this, this role, <clears throat> um, he said, Greg, how can you save my people, you know, uh, 50 hours a year each, right? Something like that. Sure. That's your charge, right? And, you know, it was me and two other people in, in other functions in the company, you know, all, you know, different insurance product function, the PNC function and the employee benefits function. <clears throat> and, and, you know, that's, and, and that's what it was. It's like, look, use data, use technology, get your head underneath the current processes, find out where they're redundant, old, in need of refreshing and, and, and just go do it. Right. So, you know, that's what needs to change. Right. Like <clears throat> on the change other change side, needs to change, change needs to happen. <laughs> well, change needs to happen. Right? right. So like the insurance, the commercial insurance ecosystem, large commercial, right. And we yep. can debate what large means, you know, other than paperless files and email for the most part, it hasn't changed. Right. And, yeah. and I got burnt out, frankly, you know, in my career, you know, and, you know, 2013, 2011, 12, 13, I was like, what I felt it was brutal. It was nonstop. It was faster, 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 faster. Right. Um, you didn't really have, I, and I was spending all of my time literally as an experienced broker in front of customers in every context you could imagine. I was a front of the house cat, like, you know, a subject matter expert, cyber, ENO, travel to see clients, RFPs, meetings, negotiate with underwriters, everything. But yet I was spending all my time uh, with administrative stuff, right? Because Crystal was known as a very lean shop, right? They're one of the original EBITDA houses, right? And I, I don't say that negatively because I've always known what's going on. Right. It's just good business. Right? Exactly. Right. And I mean, it's the same thing at, at Alliant, right? It's we're focused. We're focused on our clients, on growth and on margin, right? Like every strong business, right? right. That's how you so, run good business. Well, what, what does that mean? <laughs> right. What does that mean? That means that you have professional people of all levels working harder and 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 harder. And harder right. And so how can we make that hard work smarter? Right. We're always going to work hard, but we need to work smarter. And that's what needs to change. Right. The entire straight through process. Right. Between J Jason and I have talked about this a lot. Right. <clears throat> um, between client and broker and underwriter and an underwriter back to broker, back to client and every other stakeholder in between. Right. And if we were drawing a diagram, we would see all these other stakeholders. Right. Uh, that needs to become massively more efficient, right? 
Yeah, yeah, no. Look, we're obviously I'm I'm a I'm a huge believer in that, right? Yeah. And the, the friction there is, is is a lot of friction, a lot of friction. <laughs> so that's what needs to change. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I'm glad I, I I'll, I'll make sure to uh, to sign the check for you on that one in the marketing message. So uh, <laughs> yeah. being cue the courier to deliver the, the check to Greg. Yes. There. Thanks for that. So you do that. Um, good. Well, look, the, this is, these, these are awesome stories and, and this, this podcast really is about, about stories. I mean, that was one of the reasons or the, really the main reason we started it is, is to hear stories like this. Um, and, and, you know, the story I like to ask all of our, our guests is, uh, it's, it's kind of around uh, who we are and, and what we do at, at Broker Buddha, which is around uh, trying to bring peace and serenity and, and ultimately enlightenment to the uh, to the agents that we work with. So um, enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge and understanding. And so something I like to ask all of our guests is that um, what what special knowledge do you have that sets you apart? What makes you enlightened? And, and do you have any stories that you can share with us specifically around that? Hey. Um, no pressure. We don't, we're, we're not, we're not going to use gongs or anything here, Mike. Right, right, right. We're not getting all Zen on you. So you can, you can. I mean, look, special knowledge, uh, look, what I would say very sort of corny and patriotically, right. What I learned at crystal, um, was, and what I think our special knowledge is even on the Alliance side is, um, anticipating what a customer needs. Right. So to our earlier joke around thinking three, four, five moves ahead and stuff. Sure. That is a discipline that, you know, I I, look, I I think I had it in my DNA, which I think, which I think is why, you know, I kind of have done well at Crystal over the years and and Alliant currently is because we're just trained to think, to anticipate and to get there first on behalf of our client. And that tra- it doesn't stop. It's, it's, oh, it's a constant state of anticipating. It's not like you don't take a breath, right? So on behalf of our customers, we're always trying to think ahead to get to the problem and, and address it with options on their behalf. So that is, I think, a special skill that I've developed. And I take that now to my internal clients, right? Because my clients are now all the brokers, right, and with who I work with you know, in, in three profit centers, 80 million in revenue, right? <clears throat> Inside a line, like a hundred people, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to anticipate what they, what they want. So I think that's a special skill. Um, what was the other question? Well, it's all uh, right. I, 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 let me follow on that and I'll uh, follow on the question, but that, you know, that, uh, you, you talked earlier about um, being able to project multiple moves ahead, right? Like this is, this is, this is chess, right? And you're trying to scenario plan, and you can only you can only scenario plan so many moves ahead before the permutations get sort of out of control, right? And your ability to predict which way things are going to move in each scenario is based on experience, right? Which means that if you can say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down this path a little bit more because I think it's more likely to happen, right? Then that that actually gives you know that that gives you a level of knowledge and and predictability that I don't think other people have because you've seen you know, the underwriter side, the broker side and the operation side. So I think that's, I think that's pretty, pretty notable and powerful and, and probably what makes you uh, really good at what you do. So, thank you. Yeah. You know what I would say is like, you're right. You cannot anticipate everything and you can, but, but to see the, the, the discipline that I I'm trying to describe of thinking about it always, it does one thing. It prepares you, right. Yeah. And you're prepared. Your clients know you're prepared. 
So if, if you don't know the answer to a question, you, you, even if you know why you don't know or how you're going to get the answer as a result of preparation, yep. they feel good about it, right? Yeah. Hey, Greg, um, one of the things I love to ask all of our, our guests on the podcast uh, is related to uh, a little bit related to our company and our brand, um, and it's around the topic of enlightenment. Uh, enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. And so I wanted to ask uh, if you have any um, special knowledge or skills that, that set you or your team apart, or if you've got any stories of um, uh, enlightened stories that you could share with us from your career in insurance. Um, I guess one of my favorite stories as a broker would have to be, uh, I had placed some coverage. It was a difficult placement for a genetic testing lab out West. Yeah. And it took some time to get, yeah. I think that's actually one thing that people, people take for granted, right? Is that like, sure, you can get insurance, you know, people can get insurance, but then you start to think about these nuanced businesses, right? Like genetic testing. Oh my goodness. Like, (laughs) yeah, that was kind of like what I did. I was in, like, as I mentioned, I think previously, I I was in the miscellaneous professional liability business for a long time as an underwriter. So, you know, it was a private equity company that we represented and I placed this coverage for uh, a genetic testing lab in New Mexico. And, you know, it took a while. It wasn't an easy placement. I had to scour the market, finally got it underwritten uh, in Lloyd's of London. And, then about a week later, I got a call from a woman who was a breast cancer survivor, and she was starting a startup company where she was going to send, you know, the, her business was to put it out there that the, the breast cancer gene, this was around the time when that was becoming known. And she wanted, it was like her little passion as being a survivor. She wanted to get out there and send kits out to women. So yeah. they could screen themselves for the propensity to have, you know, for the genetic marker for breast cancer. And she had a startup business and she was going to use the genetic testing lab that I had just placed coverage for okay. as her, as her lab. And, you know, I, I helped her out, but it wasn't easy because it was easy to cover the lab because they were doing the actual testing, but trying to find an underwriter to understand what this woman was doing, it was almost like contingent genetic testing, errors and emissions coverage, right? Because she wasn't doing the testing. Right. So it was, she was selling underwriters it were a little worried about it. Yeah, she was selling it and putting herself out there. And I, you know, I worked really hard to find a reasonably priced coverage for her so she could, you know, start this business and get it going. So that was pretty cool. You know, you, you don't really come across too many examples to help somebody in that kind of a context. Yeah, so I, I felt th- like I was helping out a little bit, right? For, for a larger issue. You think about her and what her alternatives would have been, right? Like you think about agents and why they're important and how they help people find the coverage they need, right? The alternative people like, well, I can just go do this myself, right? I can't imagine that woman trying to go through the experience of finding a carrier directly who's going to get her coverage, right? You know, that just, it's just insane. Yeah, there's no way, right? It's just super specialized. Yeah, you, you really have to walk the underwriter through what their fears are, you know, and, and you have to find an underwriter that's willing to understand where the exposure it lives. And so it, it was good. It was a great experience to help her. And you're right, Jason, she would not have had Altar. The alternative would have been, no. you know, if she couldn't get the coverage through me or any other broker for that matter, right? She, she wouldn't be able to run the business, you know, it's too much risk. In fact, I think that the genetic testing lab was making her carry, you know, right? So, right. She wouldn't so she have been able to even open her doors without it. 
That's wild. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. a great story, so. Greg, and a, and a big example of why we're doing this podcast, determination and tenacity and uh, creativity. And certainly, uh, you're right, nobody's going to get that kind of insurance by pointing and clicking on a screen, are they? Not yet. I mean, maybe in the future, but uh, <laughs> not, not anytime soon. That's for sure. This takes uh, com- relationships, communicating, uh, good, clear, honest information, and talking things through. Yeah. So. And also, right, you, you, knowledge and experience, right? Which you can't, you can't bottle, right? I mean, who, you, you, you have underwriting experience. You know the companies out there, or at least have connections to the companies out there who could help, even possibly. And then, you know, you use that, the, the perseverance and grit to, to get the job done. So kudos to you. And, and it's also trust, right? Yeah, right. It's, persever- it's trust, right? So the, the underwriter I was working with know me, they trust me. You know, a lot of times I would tell them, you know, this is a tough risk. You might want to do this, add this exclusion, you know? So I had a lot of street cred anyway, because I would help underwriters like <laughs> see things that maybe they should be worried about. Yeah. But in this area, uh, um, I actually told them I placed the coverage for the actual genetic testing lab also. So I was able to provide a lot of information around, around that. So it worked out. Your credibility matter there as well, which is awesome. Well, Greg, I trust you. Really when you're a broker. (laughs) I trust you and I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you on and uh, thanks for making time for us today. I appreciate the opportunity guys. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.